You know, I'm uh, not 100% sure, uh, sure where to start on this one. There's usually like an intro or something for stuff like this, but I'm just no good at those. Um, so, yeah. Odds are, if you're listening to this, you have gotten a 30-minute audio message from me before, or just have been subjected to one of my overly long rants. And, um, yeah, you know, you can... I feel like there's a critical mass of people telling you you should start a podcast before you're just obligated to. I'm saying this as if um, I didn't want to to begin with. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I thought it would be fun. Um, and yeah, given, given my propensity for... Uh, being a bit long-winded for um, talking too much at times. Um, this just seems like a, an efficient way of having a record of some of the things I talk about um, and more efficiently um, sending it off to friends yeah. or whoever, really. Um, so there's that saying, you know, start from the beginning and what is the best place to start i don't know um why not the beginning then yeah so what is this who am i why am i here um answers are almost self-evident um so I'll try not to bore you too much. But to the question of what is this, I don't know. I, I thought it would be sort of fun to try to do something of an informal podcast. So I'm going to put all of this on like an RSS feed or some other equivalent thing. I really am doing this as I go, uh, building the train tracks as I uh, am going over them. So I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't really intend to do a lot of like advertising or anything. I, I don't think um, it makes a whole lot of sense for me to try to make this overly formal. And I don't intend on trying to monetize it in any way. I just think it would be fun to put out there. Um, so. I'll probably end up sending out links to this. That's probably how you heard about it or whatever. It's a bit weird, self-referential. Hmm. Well, anyway, um, yeah. So thinking about that, um, I was like trying to think of a name, right? Because every good podcast has to have a name that incorporates either uh, pod or cast in it, I guess, is the um, sort of uh, inevitability, the uh, natural law of the medium. Um, so what is the name for this? Um, I was thinking, uh, I, was, I was thinking a lot about it. Also, I mean, 
side note, and there will be a lot of those because I'm incapable of following one thread all the way through, and I suppose I just live tangent to tangent at this point. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. This is one of my shower thoughts. I was like, what should I name a podcast? Um, things I think are neat is one of the first titles I came to, but um, Titan is what that uh, would come out to as an acronym. And that, that sounds a little, I mean, it's, okay, I'm a nerd. It's like kind of cool, but eh, feels a little too tryhardy for me. So things I think are neat, Titan, that might be out. Um, if I want to make this a bit more rant-based because I'm a curmudgeonly old man, I don't know if I use that word right. And quite quite frankly, I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so I was uh, thinking maybe uh, if I want to make this a bit rantier, a um, bit more shaking my fist at the sky, I could name it Things I Think Suck, but that's even worse um, as an acronym. So best avoid that. Um, so I started thinking about things I'm interested in, right? Things I'll probably be ranting about. Um, like, I don't know, linguistics is cool. Um, I think languages are just fascinating. Um, but I don't know enough to really talk about that. Uh, philosophy inevitably will work its way into something because that's kind of all I talk about. And I, you know, <laughs> manage to work it into everything. Um, but I don't think a proper philosophy podcast is quite what I'm after at the moment. So <sighs> if not that, what else? Um, seems like there's an inevitable march towards tech in the public consciousness. So something neat and tech related. Um, also, I've just been thinking, I think robots are neat as hell. Um, robots are this interesting thing to me because um, my intuition has always been, I don't see why a robot couldn't be a person. But it turns out that isn't exactly what everyone thinks. And that's a bit odd now, isn't it? I mean, I don't understand why robots wouldn't be people. I, I'm not sure if this is an entirely uh, genuine or honest argument. But to me, it seems like there's this thing with robots. And people say, well, they couldn't be people because they're not physically human, but I don't know. I mean, how much, how much, um, of a person do you need to ship of Theseus away before they're no longer themselves? Yeah. So like, sure. Maybe, I mean, I guess brain is a better argument, but like, Theoretically, I mean, if the technology, if the appropriate technology gets good enough, it's potato, potato, right? And if the only thing holding um, an Android robot, call them what you like, 
the only thing holding back is like a, a physical problem, right? If it's if it's a physical question of what's the difference between uh, your average person and a robot or a robotic person. Um, I don't know. I mean, why are we willing to grant robots but not willing to grant the ability to artificially create brains for them? That seems a little silly, doesn't it? Um, but these are far off problems. Um, not too far off that I think that they're not worth thinking about right now, because I'd hope that we have um, legal frameworks in place for robot rights before we need to deal with that, rather than um, like a 5, 10, 15, 20, 100, 1,000 year grace period where we're just terrible to robots because they're not like us. That, that's that's less the point. Um, I don't know. I was like, robots are cool. That's Is that a name for a podcast? Um, everything's a name for a podcast, really. Uh, the market is so oversaturated. <laughs> um, so yeah, robots are cool. That's one. Um, robots are also kind of scary because... Um, I think they're probably the biggest existential threat that I can think of to humans. Uh, so robots are scary. Um, RAS. And then I was like thinking about that and, um, robots are cool in that, you know, they're, they're like a very interesting topic. They're also scary in that they're, uh, kind of a complete unknown and there's a good chance that We'll figure it out after. Um, there's only so much we can think about uh, in, in terms of something that doesn't exist. How much can we predict? I genuinely don't know. So robots are cool and scary. Rackus. Also, I talk too much, so it's a bit of a pun. Um, I do love a good pun. They're a lot of fun. I mean, they're sort of the most formulaic of humor. Um, but I think there's something really interesting in that, right? Because a pun isn't so difficult to come up with. There's a way of coming up with puns. It's like you can go through like a checklist and come up with them. Um, and that isn't true of all humor, but it is, it does feel like a gateway to um, pinning a joke to your corkboard and admiring it. <laughs> you know, some people say that uh, humor isn't funny when you explain it, um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's inherently true. Um, There's, I mean, I guess that gets into like some kind of meta joke, but there's one thing that I think is extremely funny, which is um, telling a very simple joke and then 
explaining it extremely thoroughly. I think that's the funniest stuff ever. Um, then again, the joke there isn't the original joke, it's, it's explaining it. Um, but if done correctly, if done in the right spirit, I think that does to some degree that, that, uh, proves that we can, um, have a joke and an explanation of that joke and some kind of harmony symbiotic relationship. <sighs> Gosh, I am quite formal, aren't I? I'm, I'm not used to this. Um, yeah, so Rackus, that's a name. Um, I also apologize. I'm sitting in a chair right now, and I have an inability to sit still, so I was rocking back and forth, and that means I'm getting closer to and further away from my microphone. Uh, I just noticed I was peeking a little bit, so uh, forgive me. Uh, please accept my apology to your eardrums for this garbage. Um, yeah, so Rackus is one name. But then I was thinking robots are scary and cool um, since I need to put pod or cast in the name of a podcast. That's the rule, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe that's only for um, bad podcasts, come to think of it. None of the really famous ones that I know. Oh my god, it's only on the website. Whatever. Um, yeah, so I was thinking, I call it Robots Are Scary and Cool. I can acronym it out to Rasacast, which is just so much fun to say. Um, yeah, so this podcast doesn't really have a name. It's just where I rant. Uh, those are some possible ones. <sighs> Speaking of rants, though, uh, I like that conversation about humor, so I'm going to continue it. You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about humor, right? Because there's an increasing trend Oh boy, starting off the first episode strong, huh? There's this increasing trend in saying, um, that's not funny. I've seen a lot of news articles saying, this isn't funny. Um, but that's a hard claim to make because I think humor is fairly normative. Granted, I, I haven't read the definition of that word in a while. I might have misused a term. I'm going to do that a lot here. So that's the last time you get an apology. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I think there's kind of a normative value to humor, isn't there? Um, it seems kind of incompatible to me that you would see something, say um, a film, hear a joke, uh, see some circumstance and uh, keep an entirely straight face and then just go, that is extremely funny. Um, this is peak humor and truly mean that, 
right? Um, I don't know if you can do that, or at the very least, that makes me suspect whoever does that means something very different by humorous or funny than I do. So humor is the quality of being funny, maybe, uh, but humor, a necessary condition of humor is that it makes someone laugh. You can say a person has a bad sense of humor. Um, I don't know if that's even possible, uh, given that I don't see any objective measures of humor besides making people laugh. And I, I mean, does tickling someone count as humor? No, I don't believe so. That's a physical response. It's so there is some kind of intellectual response to humor. It is making somebody laugh at a, at something, at a potentially non-physical stimulus. That's less important. Um, I guess you can't really have a bad sense of humor then. Um, I would argue I do <laughs> facetiously, but yeah. So it's a very difficult normative claim though, then to make that isn't funny. Um, cause the simple objection is, uh, somebody says something, everyone laughs. Somebody replies that isn't funny. Um, the, the claim really there is that isn't funny to me. I don't find that funny. Um, or one should not find that funny. And those are all compatible. Like those are all fine. Uh, I think there's a lot of good room for discussion in what we should or shouldn't find humorous. Um, and I think there's some very interesting, non-obvious answers to the question, what is funny? What should we find funny? So on and so forth. But just saying that something isn't funny, well, I'm being a bit of a pedant, aren't I? It's a bit pedantic to say, well, I know what you mean, but I disagree with the exact wording you used. Um, no, but I think that's, there, there is something a little bit interesting to me there. Um, because there's this kind of, uh, it's, it's a bit of a tension for me when somebody says that isn't funny, especially something that I laugh at. Um, my sense of humor is mostly uh, just dumb. Um, just like, uh, well, that's actually a bridge to another topic that I suppose I'll get to in a moment. But yeah, so, so the phrase that isn't funny has just been very interesting to me because I keep seeing it in the, in the news. And to some degree, I wonder how much it's a claim that shouldn't be funny or how much it really is like a literal claim of like, I don't see humor in this. And this is harmful enough as to make it not funny. But is that not funny to me or just not funny in general? Is it a claim about humor or a joke? And I don't know the answer, but um, I think confusing those two 
can make an argument a bit convoluted and a bit hmm, paternalistic, patronizing. And nobody likes to be patronized, I guess, except for you who is listening to this, because welcome to me listening to... Nope. Welcome to listening to me explain my thoughts about things that you didn't ask about and probably don't care about. But hey, if you've made it this far, um, you're the only one. <laughs> At any rate, um, yeah, so, so that's one interesting thing about humor. Um, before bridging the topic to the next subject of memes, which is something that is kind of funny to say in a straight tone of voice. Um, you all, if you're, if you're listening to this, you have my contact information. So if you have any, um, topics that you want me to rant about, um, by all means, shoot me a text or an email or a phone call or a telegraph. I actually learned Morse code at one point, but I could never really keep it because nobody uses Morse code and it's a useless skill. Um, so the upkeep just wasn't worth it. Anyhow, moving on to the next topic of memes. Um, one thing that is kind of interesting to me is that the, the cycle on memes seems to be getting, uh, the life cycle seems to be getting shorter and shorter. That is to say, um, early 2010s, around 2013, I think that was my first exposure, um, a meme would stay relevant for years, literal years. Um, there were memes that I would see in like 2014 that would still be like or at least like 2013 that would be I think a lot less relevant but still potentially like visible in like 2016 or something whereas now uh, they don't they don't stick around for more than a few weeks the boom bust cycle is so much harder uh, or uh, so much more um, violent difficult turbulence tur that's not a word tur turbulent Turbid. Moving straight along, um, yeah, and I mean a part of that is uh, the kind of interconnection that um, communities keep getting larger and larger on the internet. Um, and so if millions and millions of people are seeing the same thing, uh, no matter how funny it is, it's going to eventually kind of die out, right? Um, I don't like making arguments for gatekeeping, but I feel like some amount of humor, it, it needs to be, um, maybe that's why it's so upsetting to watch like corporations jump into a meme. It's like, that's when you know it's really dead. Um, it has to be at its peak or just past slightly overripe for a corporation to uh, jump on that train. And I don't know, it's sort of a signal that no, this is 
not particularly funny anymore. It's reached peak saturation. Um, nobody's doing anything new with it. It's just using the same catchphrase over and over in less and less appropriate ways. And it's sad to see them go at times. Um, yeah. But, I don't know, to some degree that, that kind of reminds me of uh, discussions of like cult film. Um, not that I know anything about it, but there's some kind of, uh, I believe, there, there's, there's a particular interest to me, right? So my favorite movie for the longest time was Sharknado. Um, Velocipaster is another high up one. Um, Paul Blart Mall Cop was kind of a different thing, but like I've seen that. Uh, the Room is great. Um, there was a Russian superhero movie that I was a big fan of. Terrible, terrible movie. Um, what else? Fantastic Four. Pretty, pretty not good. Um, the the newer one. Uh, and and there's something kind of like special about those to me. Um, Velocipaster is kind of different in that it's, it's meant to be bad. Um, but there's, I, I feel like, uh, watching bad movies, I've been trying to think of, um, gosh, my voice sounds quite weird to me right now. I don't even want to listen to the recording of this. God, I must sound awful. Um... Yeah, but there's something about uh, bad movies, right? That, that to me, represents a sort of... Hmm. Enjoying a highly produced film, right? Something like any of the Avengers movies. They're meant to be enjoyed. Um, there's, I don't think there's meant to be much of a barrier to entry, right? There trying to appeal to the widest audience possible. And you don't do that by giving people like things to really think about. And I don't, I don't mean to sound elitist. I don't want to, I don't really believe in that type of thing. And to some degree there is a bit of tension in my mind. Cause I think, uh, I, I really do like, all the new stuff that we get. I think actors, you know, they, they've gone to a lot more school and training and stuff. There's a lot more available methods that they can use to better embody their characters. And gosh, special effects are just beautiful sometimes. Um, so visually stunning. But I think there was kind of a peak back in... Like watching watching uh, films from the eighties and nineties or so, they they didn't all feel so cynically corporate or um, disingenuously pretentious, as I think a lot of films do now. There's sort of movies that are meant to be like high art, and uh, I don't even know if they understand themselves, but they're made in such a way that you can say, um, well, if you don't like it, you just aren't smart enough to understand it. And then on the other hand, there's the um, Avengers types 
things, which are, gosh, they're so much fun, but stuff just happens. Like, I, I, I don't feel like there's all that much to really think on in them. And I mean, it probably isn't good to always want to be thinking about everything. I don't think it's all that great, not for me at least. Um, but I don't know. Something about that is, uh, I don't know. It's one of the sad things, right? Like you do lose out a little bit. I don't, it really doesn't feel like there's any free lunch here, so to speak. I don't like that phrase. It's very politically inclined in a way that I'm not always a fan of, but nothing comes at no cost. Um, there's things that are more good than bad, but there's always some cost to it, isn't there? So when it comes to um, like entertainment, mass market entertainment, it is just entertaining, but well, I was listening to something, it was talking about boredom, right? And how boredom is kind of, uh, it stems from a feeling of like a lack of purpose to what you're doing. And I guess that's part of a lot of, I got to a certain point um, when I was watching shows and reading books and whatever, where um, I could predict with pretty high accuracy, just based on like, you know, narrative structure, um, who would die and when. Um, one of the big ones is once somebody starts talking about the future, they're dead. Um, there's a very specific way, um, but it's like, you'll just see a character arc wrap up and then the person dies. And I don't know, sometimes I'm like, maybe just what is the most narratively satisfying thing to do isn't always what makes for the best story. But, hmm. No, hmm. I don't know, I really don't know. Uh, I've definitely dropped a lot of threads that I haven't picked up. So let's circle back. Um, right. Bad films. <sighs> Mass market entertainment is meant to be entertaining. And so there's a very low barrier to entry. Uh, you don't need to do much. It's a very passive process consuming, let's say a film like Avengers. Were any of them actually called Avengers? The Avengers? Avenging men and two or three women? Who knows? I sure don't. Um, so with something like The Avengers, it's, it's a very passive process. Um, I don't think that's inherently true to superhero movies, right? Um, gosh, there's some incredible Superman comics. Um, 
I've read a few good Moon Knight comics. Fucking Moon Knight. Um, even even Batman, the way that they play with uh, his like story and like the the motifs, what he represents is it can be done so powerfully. But rarely do I see that in superhero films nowadays, at least from Disney. Um, but I don't know. I mean, people like to complain about Star Wars and unpopular opinion. I, I like the new Star Wars movies. I was never huge on the lore. Um, I grew up with the prequels before people hated them. Um, so I watched all the old ones and I was like, this is old and I don't understand stand all of it. Why does everything look like it's made out of aluminum cans? And then they show me the prequels and I'm like, maybe 10, not even. And I'm just like, cool, lightsabers and big cities. Uh, this is beautiful. I love it. Um, aliens, awesome. So bear in mind. Um, but I like the new Star Wars movies. They have some genuinely beautiful imagery and I appreciate that. Um, everyone always complains like Ray didn't suffer enough or whatever. Sometimes I just want to watch a passively watch a film about somebody who's competent at what they do and are really good at things for no reason. I don't know. Mary Sue's can be a boring character when they're self-inserts, right? Nobody wants to hear about how you're the best person. But just watching somebody, I don't know, I, I thought Ray was like very inspiring in some ways. I haven't seen those movies in a while. I haven't seen them since they came out. I watched them all in theaters, so that might be why I like them. <sighs> but they're films that you can passively watch. You don't need to think too much for uh, them. You can, I mean, sure, there's all these metaphors and stuff, but like there's sort of a corporate shadow hanging over it, which is not always the worst thing, but it is a little sad. But I, I think bad movies are like an inherently creative process. You need to, if you, in, in enjoying them, you need to find new ways to enjoy them that weren't intended. Um, it's, it's like understanding why they're bad is just so much fun to me. That's an exercise that I love, um, looking at a film and saying, why does this fail? What is it trying to do? And how does it fall short of that? Um, and then finding humor in just how did they ever think that this could do what it was going to. Um, I also think like deeply political horror is uh, quite funny for about the same reason. Um, because uh, do, yeah, I think most people aren't evil. I think a lot of people have misunderstandings of certain things, but I, I really don't believe most people are evil or even like have bad intentions. So deeply, deeply political horror, the kind that's uh, very ideologically motivated, any ideologically motivated horror, um, I guess I'm just using politics as a shorthand for ideology, but you know, religious horror, um, 
you can there's a lot of horror that you can make out of like christian imagery and i've seen it done very well in some cases i think i mean you'll notice i didn't give examples in a lot of these places like um earlier i said um there's a lot of pretentious films that don't understand themselves i can't think of an example of that maybe i just made it up maybe it just felt like the right thing to say and i'll acknowledge that but eh, felt like the right thing to say so um maybe they're out there i i imagine they are um it's a very fun criticism to level it makes me feel very clever um but yeah what was i just saying right good christian horror i haven't seen any but i can imagine some right there's some genuinely scary shit in the bible right i haven't read the bible actually i don't know um but there is, there is a sort of uh, pervasive Christian imagery that I've um, seen in my... That is a car with a very loud engine. That is so unbelievably cool. That is one of few things that um, pisses me off to a degree that I think is quite unwarranted. Just somebody revving their engine. Wow, that's so cool. But anywho, um, one of the things about deeply ideological horror is it, it, there's a sort of catastrophizing that seems necessary to it, um, really any deeply held ideology. And if you just take a step back and say, no, no, things aren't as bad as they possibly could be. It's all right. It's very funny to watch what people start bellyaching over. There's the type of conservative horror that's, um, what if people didn't look like me and seriously engaging with, isn't that terrifying that people might not look like me? or that people might talk in a way that's different from me, completely ignoring the fact that most of the world is like at least bilingual. Monolingualism is not globally common, I don't believe. I'd need to check the stats, but so far as I remember. So that's funny. Um, you know, on the other hand, it just like, what if people have different opinions from me? Oh, the horror. I find that quite amusing. <sighs> so, yeah, I think there's a bit of a creative process to um, enjoying bad film that I like. <sighs> and it's not always what I'm in the mood for, right? Like, I, I actually have started drifting towards and this is another topic that I dropped a little bit earlier. So picking that up and um, finishing off soon. One of the things that's like quite interesting to me is um, when it comes to something like, you see a lot of, there, there seems to be a tendency to uh, look at everything and say, let's make this darker, um, the whole darker and edgier uh, race to the bottom. Another <laughs> term I've probably misused. Um, 
Yeah, but one thing that I've noticed with that is you, you see all these things that are dark and edgy, but don't quite understand how to do it right. And that's usually marked by this, uh, uh, what's the word? It's like a type of voyeurism almost. Um, it's, it's saying, oh my God, there's so much blood. Isn't that terrible? Uh, and you can just hear the grins on the people's faces as they're writing. But then if you look at like the, the truly disturbing dark material, the, the few things I've seen in my life, that fit that bill, it just treats them ambivalently. And that's so much more disturbing to me. It isn't saying, look at how bad this is. It's saying, yeah, that's what happens. And I feel like there's a real art to that and how unsettling you can make it by just not putting the focus in quite the right place. Um, but I don't know. I think the peak of my interest in dark media was when I was about 15. And since then, I've gotten, I've taken more and more interest in not just gore and the blood and guts type of dark, who do we kill next? Um, but like the type of story, like um, the one that always comes to mind in terms of the best example of this, I've, I've started watching um, at least I'm less opposed to uh, media that is not aimed at any singular age group or at least media that is open to very large uh, age ranges. Because I don't know, there's something like especially moving to me about that. It's easy to fall back on um, elves are cool and these people do magic or look at the spaceships and robots. And don't get me wrong, I love that. Um, but I feel this like, spe I feel like there's something really special about a story that could plausibly happen. Um, or on the other hand, a different type of admiration, but for, for stories that can um, be enjoyed by any age group. So um, the one that I think of like in particular is, um, what do you call it? So, so, <laughs> Sorry, you'll notice that I've been um, rambling just a little more than normal. I'm sitting uh, next to a radio tower and um, the broadcasts get picked up by my headphones. And so if I have my headphones in, I every once in a while I'll just hear this like little faint person talking or sometimes a little bit of bluegrass uh, music. Um, and that is in fact happening right now. Um, yeah, 
But I don't know. There, there's something really remarkable to me about those stories that could happen in real life. And don't rely on, like, these people die and that's why it's sad. But, but on just personal connections. I think those are remarkable. Um, I think there's so much skill that it takes to do that. And they don't always have to be completely devoid of anything supernatural, right? Um, occasionally you'll see a story about a ghost, but the ghost isn't the focus. It's the interpersonal relationships there. And, and that's so remarkable to me that when people can do that well. On the other hand, there's those shows that are just great for any age group. Um, the one that jumps to mind, I mean, I've been trying not to give examples, but um, so far as I've seen, you know, I was watching it when it aired, so I didn't see all of it, but so far as I've seen um, Adventure Time, that's a great one. Uh, Avatar is another really good one. Um, as for the first group, you know, stories about just interpersonal relationships, um, Koenokatachi, uh, the Silent Voice, I think, is the name of that one. Uh, that's just an incredible movie. Um, that that was like what really turned me around uh, to realizing that there's some real value to um, that type of film because I usually gravitate towards fantasy sci-fi, but that's got to be one of my favorites. Um, yeah, so I, I've hit a timestamp that I think is uh, about a good place to, to wind down. But um, if you've made it this far, um, hey, thanks. Um, I don't expect you to listen to these. Um, this is, I, I just... I've noticed one thing about myself is that uh, talking helps me organize my thoughts. So rather than rant into the void, uh, scream into the abyss as I usually do, which is to say send 30-minute uh, audio messages through uh, Apple, Apple messaging app. Um, texts, I don't know, iMessage? iMessage, that's what it's called. Um, I figured I might as well record them and put them up and uh, have them all stored in one place so that I can go back and listen to them and um, I'll send them to you guys uh, so long as you're interested. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to like advertise this. I'm going to do a little bit of obligatory shilling for myself. Um, but I'm not going to advertise in a traditional sense. I'm not going to um, really talk about it on the internet, try to drum up support. Um, but, uh, if in any of these, I talk about something that, you know, is interesting to you. And if you want to share it with anyone, by all means, go ahead. Um, I, it is all out there for public consumption. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if there's anything uh, that you think would make a particularly good topic, um, shoot me a message or, you know, if this is somehow made it to somebody who doesn't know me, um, get in touch. Um, yeah, so this has been fun. Um, 
and I'll be doing it again in the future. Uh, thanks a bunch, guys. <laughs>